Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Friday, everyone. It's CJ. Hopefully, everyone, hopefully everyone's having a terrific day so far. Uh, v may or may not be joining us. We're kind of uncertain at this point, but regardless of that, we are live. I uh, want to thank everyone for tuning in. I see the chat room is very lively today. Everyone's excited to have Velas on. Uh, make sure, again, it's very key right now to go to roguenews.com. Make sure that you make, subscribe. Uh, get on the email list because as more and more uh, of our content is being censored, we are shifting a lot of our content over to roguenews.com, the articles, the podcast. It is the best way to stay in tune of what we are producing. Uh, also, follow us on Twitter, which you guys know this stuff. I don't need to, I need to repeat it. And then also, uh, continue to show some love. I, I appreciate everyone shopping at mycbedibles.com. Just to let you know, that site is going to be going through a complete revamp. Uh, we're going to be changing things out, adding some really cool new products. Um, really excited about that. So just, you know, go there, mycbedibles.com. Uh, just to let you know, for because we have a lot of rogue uh, customers that, you know, you know, navigate over and help support our platform. Just right now, we are going through a transition with our merchant services. So uh, Zelle is probably the easiest or also uh, Venmo. So you'll see that when you get over there, but appreciate it. Without further ado, Velas, great day. How are you, sir? I'm good, CJ. Thank you. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, for uh, CJ and I out here in the Midwest, uh, we've recently had some rain, uh, which was welcome. Um, I wish we could have sent that to the to the West Coast to give them a hand. I hope you all are doing good. And a number of you have been talking to you on Discord. That's also obviously um, CJ's kind of opening monologue there. That's part of the other aspect of this, in fact, because I've got a piece of content today that I tried I tried to, I wouldn't say water it down, but I tried to sensitize it a bit and it's just not fair to all of you for me to do that. So I'm going to put it on the discord section in the hashtag Velas area. Um, this is the stuff about uh, the events around the World Trade Center in 1993. Uh, there's some content there I'd like to share with all of you. So I'll go post that over in the, the discord section because I just couldn't do it justice here on the show and I don't want to run any chances of causing any more heat from, to quote Miles Davis, any more heavy, heavy agitation from the man upstairs than we've already had. Um, I'm going to uh, try and play with technology here, which is someone who works in that industry among others. 
Yeah, uh, <laughs> let's see if I don't screw this up. So bear with yeah, me. Yeah, and and, so. and and Velas, I just want to again thank you for all the work that you do with the Discord, and and you know we're going to try to work to get you know V more on there to to participate. Uh, I will. I, people asked last show, they're like, hey, is is Gus on there? Uh, you know, I don't know if Gus, it's Gus's thing. <laughs> You guys know how he is. He's like, you want me to mother effing do what? So we'll we'll, we'll see how it goes. And but yeah, Velos is uh, leading the way over on the Discord. Jump over there because lots of great. And then also just the engagement from the people that are on there, sharing articles, news, and everything. Uh, it's it's a great community. Uh, if you want to join the Discord server, uh, drop me an email, CJ at roguenews.com, and I'm bringing up your screen right now, Velos. If if you're ready, I'm ready. Go ahead. Whoa. All right. Can you see the White House? We can. Okay. Uh, now, I didn't see any option about the audio. It's not muted, I'll tell you that. So let's see if this okay. works. Okay, it's not, it's not going to play if you didn't enable the audio. Where do I enable more? audio? Okay, so uh, let's do this real quick. We can do this in real time with your screen up. So uh, stop sharing for a minute. Stop Stopping. screen. Okay, all right. Re-engage it. So, so hit, uh, let me remove mine. So go back to uh, share screen. Yep. Okay. And when you go to, uh, hang on for a second, stop screen. Okay. So share screen. Uh, it, and then it pops up in the bottom left. There's a little box that says share audio. Look over to your bottom left of that little pop-up dialogue box. It says share audio. It's real hard to see. And then you've got mute. I've got mute website notifications, but I have no uh, what is your top three things? Does it say entire screen, window, or Chrome tab? It says StreamYard or entire screen. But there's no share audio anywhere on there, on no, the bottom left, no, nowhere. No, no. Okay, all right, so yours may automatically do it. So let's let's go ahead and do it, and let's see if the audio comes through, and we can ask the listeners to, to validate. Okay. All right, go for it. I'm going for it. Yeah, I can't hear it. Shit. Damn it. Why don't you post the link? Um, post the link up in the private chat, yeah, uh, and then I will I will do that. There it is, and then and then start at uh, minute two, if you would, and I'll stop sharing. There. Sorry, folks, we're not the BBC. There's still things we're trying to work out. <laughs> Hey, Gorilla. Hey, yeah. guys. We do not have a million dollar uh, budget for everything, you know. And, no. and uh, B, I was, I was muted when I said, I'm like, if we did, why do you think B is tolerated for, this, for me this long? He would have an actual AV guy. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <laughs> Dude, you and I for life, bro. I'm, I'm sorry, CJ. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to t uh, share this with you, bro. But you, you and I are stuck to the hip, bro. We're, we're, uh, <laughs> we're like Gary and Ace here, bro. <laughs> All right. So we've so, kicked things off. We are what in the IV. world is this? Hold All on, right. minute two. Minute okay, he's going to go. Uh, Velis is, we're going to play it, and uh, Velis is going to walk us through it. Here we go. Right, minute two. Oh, no. Am Turn I it to minute two. Here? I don't want to serve. It is on a minute two. You're kidding. <laughs> hilarious. No, it's on <laughs> minute. Put it at minute 2.0. Keep going. Oh, I see what you said. There you go. You ready? Yeah. All right, here All right, we go. Hit it. Hit it. 
You know, Senator, being in suspended animation gave me time to think. Partisan politics are tearing our country apart. You got a point there, Bill. If you and I are going to whoop these one-eyed space fellas, we're going to have to set aside our differences. Together, we can lead America into a new golden age. Friend, you got a deal. Homer, let us out. It's time to tear those aliens a third corn shoot. Oh! <laughs> oh no. What have I done? What am I doing? What will I do? The politics of failure have failed. We need to make them work again. Tomorrow, when you are sealed in the voting cubicle, vote for me, Senator K Bob Dole. <laughs> I am looking forward to an orderly election tomorrow, which will eliminate the need for a violent bloodbath. America, take a good look at your beloved candidates. They're nothing but hideous space reptiles. <laughs> it's true, we are aliens. But what are you going to do about it? It's a two-party two system. system. You have to vote for one of us. He's right. This is a two-party system. Yeah, he's right. Well, I believe I'll vote for a third-party candidate. Go ahead. Throw your vote away. <laughs> this is brilliant. All hail. President We're living it. Hey. <laughs> There's the World Economic Forum. Dear there it is. Lord. I don't understand why we have to build a ray gun to aim at a planet I never even heard of. Don't blame me. I voted for Coda. Yo! <laughs> <laughs> that was that's classic. All. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's kind of the situation we find ourselves in. I know CJ uh, definitely feels that one. Um, and this is why you got to work at the local level. Uh, so wanted to start off start off with that one, a bit of humor there. Um, yeah, so uh, no explanations on Nashville's thermobaric explosion. It was uh, brought up. Or the French, uh, uh, the French OVH cloud from last March. Julian Assange is still in prison. Jeff Epstein didn't kill himself. And we don't know what happened to John McAfee. Um, <laughs> my thanks to you, Coca Pat, for a ton of stuff that you and I have been exchanging on the Discord channel. Speaking of the Discord channel. And then, and if I mispronounce your name, I'm sorry, Balaj guy, uh, for your comment this week, um, uh, he sent me a couple notes saying, I think, I think you're in league with the devil because of all the coverage you had on BlackRock. And there was a whole bunch of news stories that came out on BlackRock today. And he, he put a comment on the discord channel where he said, Velas may not be the devil, but he may be part of the consulting team. I thought that was awesome, man. Thank you. Um, and my thanks to Linda Love over at Quite Frankly, just for being Linda, and for Lala Mula on uh, Discord, as well as a whole bunch of you other folks that I've been um, talking talking with. Um, as I said at the beginning, I've, I've got a lot of content that I tend to find for these each week, more and more, and in order to respect Harley's time and just keep the show within the margins here. Um, more and more, I'm posting stuff on Discord, usually the night before, that I, I'm not going to be able to fit in today's show or may not be all that germane, but I still want to share. So again, at the hashtag Valis section in Discord, uh, I tend to, you can't miss it because it's bullet pointed. Um, 
also i've said this a couple times on on other shows i almost need to add it to my opening monologue about uh the nashville thermobaric lack of an explanation um just a reminder uh we are in a form of civil war right now yep. uh, i have no doubts about that it's a cold civil war but it's a civil war and it's global uh depending on where you live now the next statement i was going to make was more germane or was was not as as pertinent as it is now given the protests in greece the events in south africa um the protests outside macron's residence uh in paris and the list goes on there's just been so many things that happened this week but i've actually got friends of mine who live in western france and um it's funny because you know when i ask folks that lived there or people i know in germany who are far far from berlin but, you know, if you ask French citizens in other parts of France, because, you know, the French shows kind of take a hit in our uh, comedians and similar, uh, what they think of Paris, you're going to get an earful. Um, yeah. So it's the same thing when, you know, our various media sources are barking at you about various stuff. As I always say, keep keep an eye out for, for the head fake. Um, the other thing, too, is, is, is given a number of things I've noticed just really within the last few weeks, um, You'd have to dig into it, and I won't do it here, but there certainly looks like there's the potential that we're going to be seeing even more disclosures over the next three to four months. And and I mean about everything from the COOF to Epstein to money laundering to backroom deals in Silicon Valley, Bill Gates, I'm looking in your general direction, and the list goes on. So my thought was, you know, if I'm a globalist and I think the way they think, whether that's my commentary on that topic or V or Matthew Arrett, um, you know, and they don't think the way we think. Um, for them, this is like a dam with a bunch of leaks that just keep popping up all over the place. And it's too many to resolve in one sitting. And so I was thinking, I know that frequently we've heard people say things like, you know, well, I bet this was a black flag event, you know, an event that's created to distract you from other things. Um, but I do have to say, uh, if there was going to be a time that there is a black flag event over the next couple of months, now would be a really good time for one to take place because there's just so much stuff leaking out right now that yeah, they need something catastrophic at this level, man. I mean, well, it's big. yeah. So when the aliens land, please check, <laughs> please check the manufacturer's label on the spaceship and make sure it doesn't say San Jose, California or Langley. <laughs> Ros um, made in Roswell, New Mexico. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, out outsourced to Tata and Wipro. Um, the other thing, too, is uh, based on some things that went on with uh, Frank's show over at Quite Frankly, and Lord knows we've had to deal with this at Rogue, um, this is the thing about bots and trolls. Now, we had a bit more of this right around the time of the election, and purely my own opinion, but... Um, you know, with Rogue, we had several tens of thousands of subscribers that were out there. And in the yeah. programs that we were airing before, there's two factors to this. In the programs that we were airing, whether mine or the other folks on Rogue, the numbers were quite high. I mean, at one point I had had anywhere between forty to 60,000 people a week uh, watching, you know, one of my shows. Uh, and then after the election, it plummeted. Yep. And there's two things about that. One... Some of that is because, and I've seen this in real time, because, you know, I do go back and check my shows and look at people's comments and things and, and so on. Um, I've literally watched in real time as the numbers are dropping of those of you that have watched this show. 
I mean, I'm, I have the window open and it's like 3,200 people have reviewed this program. I go off and go do some work. I come back an hour later and it's 2,900. Yep. And so we and others, they are um, adjusting our viewership. But the other part of that too is, is there's a lot of bots out there. And, and the other thing I wanted to say about this is there's a whole industry out there of people who are paid usually through law firms um, that are the equivalent of crisis actors. And what they do is, is they come on programs like ours or Frank's or, or others. And that's why, that's why Mike Moore over at, at uh, true pundit, you know, Mike's got his whole thing just kind of locked down. There's a comment section on there, but he just kind of does his professorial, uh, you know, uh, class for the day and, and moves on. Um, but, I've I've had friends in the IT industry and other folks tell me flat out, even attorney friends of mine tell me, oh yeah, I've had I've had these public relations firms reach out to me. And it's like for every for every time the speaker responds to you, you know, it's it's X amount of money. Uh, every time they have to remove you from the show, it's X amount of money. So whether it's our program or others, um, just just kind of be mindful that that sort of stuff's going on on the on the back end. And speaking of bots, let's talk about the U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> and uh, I know that I know that V and CJ have kind of a 50-50 view on on Veritas at times, but Veritas issued a court order request this week asking a disclosure by the Postal Service on exactly what are you all doing with the U.S. intelligence community? What data are you pulling? What are you capturing, et cetera? Now, a little history on this: when I was working in Washington D.C. as a management consultant. I met a couple of folks that were former or current uh, U.S. Postal Service uh, folks at the leadership level. And as you all know, I, I had people working with my consulting practice that were like retired C-level executives and things. So they, they'd been around the block. And we, we asked these folks over drinks one night, what, what is the deal with your agency? There's so much the Postal Service could be doing, you know, because we, we looked at it like business people. You've got uh, huge operations, you've got warehousing, you've got trucks, you've got planes, you've, you've got a, a really great infrastructure. And their response was, well, you got to remember that under federal law, no agency can come into direct competition with the private sector, which on paper is a good thing. But, um, and my, pardon my obvious jab at outsourcing Intel work to Google, but the challenge that this presents to the, to the postal services is that there's any time they find out like there's something that they could do, it's probably too late because some commercial firm is already doing that. And yeah. they don't have the kind of spend certain federal agencies do where they could call in high-end consultants who could say, okay, before anybody in the commercial space gets into doing X, Y, and Z, we think there's a play for the postal service over here. So like with Amtrak, the U.S. government has been on the Postal Service and Amtrak both to please stop losing money, to find a way to make more money, or at least break even, because you guys are bleeding wounds and Congress has to keep pumping money into you. So in conclusion, the Intel agencies, in my opinion, played them perfectly, because the Intel community shows up with money and says, here, we can, we can help your budget out. And we want to leverage you guys and your infrastructure. And much like my often made comment about the Department of Agriculture, nobody's going to pay any attention to what the Postal Service is doing until dot, dot, dot. It was revealed there was something going on with the Postal Service. So then the next topic is um, through the FBI's InfraGuard organization and similar. Uh, this popped up, which I thought was amusing. Uh, there's an increase in people robbing ATM machines in Atlanta and Georgia in general. Uh, this is ATMs at banks, convenience stores, standalone ATMs, drive-through units, et cetera. 
Uh, they're usually being robbed from midnight to six in the morning by small groups, what I would even call teams, uh, very coordinated and savvy thieves. Uh, they're wearing all black clothing, faces covered. They have exactly the right kind of tools with them. They know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly how to pull the unit out to get the, you know, the safe part of it. They're also using stolen vehicles. So uh, both the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, GBI, and the FBI and the Treasury Department, because that's Uncle Sam's money, um, they've, they've all been trying to track, like, do we have a sudden rash of stolen trucks or vans? Yeah. Because that's probably going to, you know, parallel to, to these robberies. There's about, about 50 of these robberies in Atlanta and Georgia in general, and they are uh, continuing. Um, the other thing is, speaking of the FBI... Uh, notices from the FBI and the, the Homeland Security Group called CISA, C-I-S-A, which is an advisory body on, on all things cyber. Uh, and then not just the FBI itself, but the FBI cyber group and their law enforcement arms. Um, there's been a, a real flurry of notices going out. Uh, I've noticed in my own line of work that we're receiving a lot of notifications about hurry up, you've got to patch this, hurry up, you've got to do that, etc. So... And it's it's everything from from Adobe to SolarWinds to Kaseya, a whole host of other providers. But it's the volume of this activity that's kind of catching my attention. So whether that's going to um, continue, uh, I don't know, but I don't know why it wouldn't. And then, as I've said on a prior show, and this is the God's honest truth, uh, hacking tends to drop off in the later summer because not all, but a lot of hackers, especially in Eastern Europe, they're all college students. So when yeah. they go back to school, the, the, <laughs> the hacking drops off. Um, the other thing, too, is um, I noticed recently there's a lot of, of uh, increase again uh, with military and defense publications. Uh, there's a lot of coverage lately in language, including things like, you know, quote, Army reexamines fast prototyping solutions. Uh, government embeds software programmers to learn best practices from industry. The list goes on. And a lot of this language is around the government, the military, working to develop solutions more quickly, what's known as, as fast prototyping. Now, I'm sure there are folks out there um, that believe that. And I'm sure that there are folks out there um, who genuinely are trying to do what they think they've been told to do. I'm going to tell you all that that is complete and total BS. That is complete BS. Now, why am I saying that? Because I worked for a fast prototyping organization and we spent billions and we'd been in operation for decades. And then eventually, literally by congressional order, we got shut down. And when I asked the leaders of my firm, okay, it's not my first rodeo. Why are we getting shut down? And the answer was, first of all, we're not doing this work on the East Coast. So it's, it's not near the Beltway. Because the, the rule in Washington is somebody somewhere is doing something interesting and before you know it, a bunch of people start showing up going, hi, we're moving this to Virginia. Hi, we're moving this to Baltimore. Because you people on the West Coast and in the South and in the Midwest, you, you folks here in the sticks just can't be allowed to have this kind of stuff because this is how we're going to get ourselves promoted. This is how we're going to make sure our careers are successful. The other thing was is that most of the things my former organization used to do, we were fast prototyping solutions that in a lot of cases saved lives. And... The, the joke that was often said was, um, we just can't have that. We can't have an organization that somebody can go to you guys and say, if we're within the scope of what you all do, um, we, can get, we can get something developed quickly. 
because the rule in government is I need things to move slowly so we all can get involved and we all can can get something out of this and, and take credit for it, et cetera. So for years, the government has said this stuff. They've said this about Treasury. They've said this about the Department of Defense. They've said this about scientific research organizations. We're going to streamline. We're going to do this. No, you're not. You're, you're absolutely not. Because every time I see them try, and in fact, folks, that's what really happened with the topic that came up last December, early January, about uh, Pentagon suddenly releases a series of internet protocol or IP addresses on the internet that nobody knew they had. And as that developed, there was some guy <laughs> in a department um, who uh, got released from his job because they're like, well, he screwed up and that's that's how that happened. And I reached out to some folks I used to work with and I said, all right, what's what's the actual skinny here? And their comment was, well, he's like our former organization. He was out there streamlining a whole bunch of stuff in the Pentagon. He was getting stuff done. He was getting cybersecurity things improved and a whole bunch of senior officers and, and senior executive service people in government weren't getting any credit for it. So, so basically, we don't have a meritocracy in government. We have a, a mediocrity in government is what you're saying. We, yeah, I mean, we, we, <laughs> have, we have the Vatican where every, every priest, every cardinal, every bishop has to get credit for that. You have to find a way that everyone can say, yes, I did this thing. And, and no joke, folks, there was a major effort for enterprise resource planning or what's called an IT herb, um, or, or for that matter, enterprise resource management. There was a major effort launched by the Air Force many years ago uh, through a defense contractor called CDC, and it blew up spectacularly. You could see it from space. Billions were spent on a project that should have been several hundred million dollars. And I spoke to some of the people that worked on that project because we were parallel to each other. And I said, all right, I know, I know that John McCain got all mad about this. I know certain governors and other senators were trying to keep the thing funded because it kept people employed in their states, et cetera, et cetera. I asked a colleague and I said, what happened? And he goes, I can summarize what happened with one example. He goes, I had a three-star general sit in a room and literally argue with us that the, the landing page of the website had to be in kind of a purple mauve color. Are you kidding me? He goes, because that was his value add. Because he'd read studies that said those colors are very calming. And it has to said, be purple mauve. It has uh, to be purple mauve. And he, well, and he goes, he goes. that's just the three star. He goes. And, and, what, was his uh, nails well manicured as well? And did he, does, did he have soft, supple skin with Botox? And was he wearing lipstick? So, so what happened? What happened was, is the next iteration of that project was much smaller, and because God has a sense of humor, I was working on it. And oh our, my God! Our, our whole operating schema was um, to have is, the right hue of mauve. This is this is uh, purely a proof of concept. This has nothing to do with the big project that failed, you know. And we went off and we ran it on a much smaller level. Um, we kept telling everybody, no, this isn't going into production. We're just testing out, you know, and everybody knew the minute we got it working, we were going to flip the switch and just tell everybody. Now, would we all be punished? Yes. <laughs> would the contract not go any further? Yes. But did we fix the problem? Yes. And so there's a whole host of people out there, and, and I played a very minor role, but there's a whole host of people out there that this is what they do. And at its heart, this goes to the famous story about Colonel John Boyd. John Boyd was the guy who got the F-16 built. He was absolutely total type A OCD personality. Him and Pierre and Spry, right? He, the other guy? He, was told, he was told for years 
John, you're never going to get anything built um, at the Pentagon because um, they no aircraft cannot be both a fighter and a bomber, or what's known as F forward slash A, FA, yeah. like the, the F-18 for the Navy. <clears throat> so it's right. a fighter and attack. We haven't built a, a, a single role, sole purpose aircraft since World War II. Because every contractor's got to be involved. Everybody's got to attach their crap into the avionics. The list and goes on. Hence, we got the F-35, which is a plane built by committee. It's wonderful. Yeah, the F-35 is the absolute example or the antithesis of what John Boyd was doing. Now, Boyd was a guy who was a tactics uh, expert. And I told you all this story that Boyd was dying of cancer. And when Schwarzkopf needed a really creative plan for the invasion of Iraq and to free Kuwait, that was John Boyd. Yeah. Uh, Schwarzkopf sent a guy to Boyd's hospital room, and that guy was like, you don't, you know, Boyd's sitting there in bed, looked at the nurse and goes, I need amphetamines and painkiller. He looked at the guy that was on Schwarzkopf's staff and was like, they say I've got about six days to live. In my book, that's about four. You don't move out of that chair. Get me pen and paper and get me a laptop. And he mapped out the plan that Schwarzkopf used. I mean, he literally died with his notebook in his hand. Wow. And for anybody that knew Boyd, it's like, that's the way. What Boyd, a man. What a that's man. Way, that's the way Boyd wanted to go. Boyd used to have a, a bronze plaque outside his office at the Pentagon that said, out here, more of the same. In here, thunder and lightning. Amen, and brother. He, he had all these people behind the scenes that were helping him. And so the Joint Chiefs of Staff had to get involved because they're like, man, I think Boyd might actually get this F-16 off the ground. So we got to stop him. So they demanded that he have this big meeting and give him a status update and that that would be the meeting where they would tell him, we're, we're canceling your project or we're sending it back to committee because, you know, we don't see that there's enough hard points on the wings to drop bombs and this, that, and the other. And because it's Boyd. He walked into the meeting, and before he even started, he looked at the Joint Chiefs of Staff and said, I wanted you all to know this is a purely, purely informational meeting. The Secretary of Defense has already approved this program. <laughs> and, and, and what happened across the Pentagon? They grudgingly bought him drinks in the bar and congratulated him on working around the bureaucracy. And then all the generals and all the admirals and everybody else went to work trying to figure out how to stop anyone from ever doing what Boyd did ever again. Yep, and that's so exactly what happened. Became, and what happened with the F-16? It became the most successful, most versatile aircraft in, in U.S. history. It, it's incredible. Incredible plane, amazing ground attack, amazing bomb truck, great air-to-air you know, air -air combat fighter, incredible maneuverability, and one of my personal favorite aircraft. Low, it has yeah, it has a low um, signature. Yep, with its radar, folks. The other thing about it that some of you may not, you know, if this isn't your thing, th there's a big thing in military circles about having two engines because it creates re you know redundancy. Boyd's response was, "It's it's a high speed fighter. I'm just putting one big engine in it. And we're calling it a day." Yep. Uh, the big bubble canopy. I mean, there's a lot of things about the design of that aircraft that Boyd, being the the consummate fighter pilot, he was. He just said, we need to scale this down and create a killing machine. I don't and let's care. not forget, fellas, that it was an F-16 with external fuel pods attached to it that entered a dogfight, a mock dogfight, mind you, against an F-35 and shredded the F-35. 
Yes, and it was also F-16s properly configured by the Israelis that enabled them to fly across multiple countries' borders at, at uh, low altitude without yep. any risk of crashing yep. to attack the Inserlik <laughs> nuclear reactor in Iraq. And many, many countries' military studied that attack for years, but, but many people said, you know, first of all, it's Israel, so a lot of really great logistics, a lot of really great refueling, a lot of really clever stuff they did. But a big piece of that was no other aircraft could pull that off but the F-16. Yep. So speaking of things in, in that genre, um, I wanted to re- retouch upon the cyber polygon thing that occurred last week. Um, it was held the week of the 5th. It simulated a, a power grid attack, as I said on that show, that you know the, the cyber polygon event that preceded it uh, focused on what would happen if there's a pathogen outbreak. Um, We've jumped the shark folks on this topic. Um, a couple of alternative news sources uh, in a strange jump the shark moment. For those of you who know, and CJ and I have mentioned this person before, Derek Bros over at the Conscious Resistance. Um, I've actually seen middle of the road news media folks mentioning Derek Bros um, because he's been studying the um, cyber polygon event last week and others that they conducted. And as we've mentioned, you know, Derek, Derek has gotten in such hot water for dealing with the telecom industry and others that he's, he's literally, you know, down there broadcasting in Mexico. Um, Derek has mentioned uh, many governments have kill switches to shut off the internet uh, in several countries, you know, whether it's Egypt, Cuba, or others that comes in handy when you have protests, like what's been going on in Cuba. Um, the other thing, too, I would mention is, is that when I worked in the telecom industry, you know, one of the things they do is they have you sign documentation saying that, you know, any duly authorized federal official can order me to move certain connections for private sector firms or whatever over to the government if that's what they want, because the government views the Internet as being like the airlines. Uh, it's part of the national infrastructure. And one of the things that Derek has discovered in his work, um, especially this year's event, is that it seems as though many cybersecurity groups, whether in the commercial space or government space, all of their people are really good at investigating events after the fact. But when it comes to proactive defense and offensive capability, they're a lot weaker. And I've kind of alluded to this um, uh, Discord really more than other places, but I've seen this a lot in my industry. You know, firms will not react, especially in the commercial space. They won't react until they're getting sued. And they won't react unless, God forbid, somehow somebody in the in the industry became aware that you you had a breach. Um, now there are certain companies I've seen who have some of the most godlike personnel defending their their networks and keeping things sustained and a lot of offensive capability where they can tell law enforcement in other countries, depending on who the attackers are or the FBI. You know, here's the sandwich this this person ate today before they launched the attack. I mean, they're they're <laughs> like that level of good. Yeah. Um, the tragedy, though, folks, is when it comes to utilities, like power companies or the water company, um, I'm sorry, I have no other way to tell you this. They, they don't because it's, it's all about cost. And so I know Derek is going to continue to dig into this, but I thought that that was worth sharing that one of the things, and, you know, and it's not this big earth shattering thing. It's just I found it interesting that a guy like Derek, that the first thing that he zeroed in on was, man, all of these folks have all these protocols and procedures for studying like, well, how did it happen? <laughs> right. But how did you try and prevent it? Well, who cares about that? <laughs> but we can sure explain to the lawyers how we got compromised. 
So then the, the other thing is, is uh, George Friedman over at Geopolitical Futures, and, and Friedman is amazing and awesome, and he's the guy who originally founded Stratfor. Um, he had some high points this week. First is the uh, International Energy Agency warned on Tuesday that oil supplies will continue to tighten until OPEC reaches some kind of production agreement. Also, current storage levels right now are below traditional levels. Um, Europe is attempting to develop their own competitive Belt and Road Initiative to combat China's current efforts. <laughs> I figured that would be responsive. Uh, they're attempting to launch that in 2022. I, I heard uh, they're going to start by uh, laying rainbow-colored bricks on their new uh, their new uh, Build Back Better Road. That are that the bricks are made of soy and they're rainbow-colored, so it's great. Um. Um. So yeah, and anything coming out of the Hague. <laughs> Uh, in the Netherlands has as much chance of being successful as a major Pentagon program. Um, Russia may be building a naval base in the Sudan. Uh, that's kind of interesting because that was a major uh, focus by the Soviet Union in the 70s and 80s, uh, back when Yemen was two countries. Uh, South Yemen, I believe it was. It may have been North Yemen. Um, the Soviet Union had a base there, and they had another naval base, obviously, in Cuba. Uh, so I find it interesting that that Russia's looking to kind of expand their, their naval capabilities. Um Israel has begun a two-week period of drone exercises this week, uh, which will include the United States, France, Italy, Germany, and the and the UK. Um, what they're studying, uh, or how long, uh, is hard to say. Um, then uh, the big one, uh, and this has now since gotten out in other sources. Um, Japan, Japan has included in their annual defense report that Taiwan is now considered as a as critical to Japanese security as Japan at Hey, hold on one second, Velas. CJ, we're getting some feedback from somewhere. Where from? I'm, I'm not I, getting I it. I don't hear I it hear on it. my end. I hear it. You hear it? Yeah. Huh. I hear okay. it on my end, too. Strange. Um, let me see if something's open. I'll, I'll go ahead and remove that. Is that. Is it gone now? Yeah. Velas, okay. talk? There you go. Yeah. Yep, it's gone. Yep. We're good. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. All right. Yep. So the big one about this thing with Japan, folks, is this is really, there's a lot here. Because uh, there's a lot of ethnic stuff. There's a lot of history stuff. Um, for Japan to say, like, we're, we're ex extending our military defenses to include Taiwan. That Taiwan, Taiwan is just too critical to us to allow China to harass them or anything else um, is significant. Uh, because, you know, for years, Japan had this thing about um, their borders that, you know, for years, Japan's warships basically just sailed around their, you know, territorial waters. They didn't really go out into the open open waters, not since World War II, at least. And the other thing is, this is violently and culturally significant because Huge. of J Japan's history with China. And when I say China, I mean both of them, mainland and Taiwan, because it was during World War II that we had the Nanking and Peking and other um, atrocities. atrocities, thank you, that occurred. And to this day, Japan has not apologized. The Koreans are still waiting for an apology. Mm -hmm. And um, for China, for years, mainland China's government, their attitude is until we get an apology from Japan, you know, we're still at odds with them on a number of things beyond just our, our national goals and objectives and things. So for Taiwan and Japan to kind of unite against a common enemy I, that's uh that's like people in the middle east who've been at war for hundreds of years saying they're allies 
that's like the Kurds saying we've got Turkey's back. I mean, it's it, it's it's a major it's a major undertaking. You know, the Bosnians are saying we totally support Serbia. <laughs> um, so for Asia watchers, that's a real that's a real real ma major item. So with that, CJ, if you would, could you play the other clip? Yeah, absolutely. This is our friend Jim Trafficant again, folks, and I want you to listen to the tail end of this clip as it plays when he gives certain figures. Um, this was the last. This really was the last comment he ever made to Congress because he was already under indictment and he knew they were going to send him to jail. So go ahead and play. I didn't vote for the speaker to get something from the speaker. Now you go ahead and expel me, but you ran this place for fifty years, Democrats. And you made the IRS, the FBI, and Justice Department so strong, our people are afraid to death of them. I want to thank Bill Archer and the Republican Party, and that's why I voted for you, Speaker. Twelve years I tried to change the burden of proof in a civil tax case and protect the American people's home from being seized. And now I want to give those statistics because they're relevant to my case and the IRS hates me for it. The law was passed in 98. The trafficking language wasn't in. Clinton threatened to veto it. 95% of the American public wanted the trafficking bill. Republican Chairman Bill Archer called me and said he talked with the speaker and leaders and said, Jim, we're going to put your burden of proof in and we're going to put your language on seizure in the conference and wrote me a letter giving me the credit. Now, let me give you the statistics that I'm proud of and I want to share because this may be the last time on the floor. And I expect it. The year before compared to the year after the law, wage attachments dropped from 3.1 million to 540,000. Thank you, Mr. Archer. Thank you, Rob Portman. Property liens dropped from 688,000 to 161,000. But now let's think of our communities. Seizures of individual family-owned homes dropped from 10,067 to 57 in 50 states when they had to prove it. And you guys did it. Congratulations. That's it. There you go. So... Uh, what Trafficant was talking about was for years he had been trying to get certain language and bills about the overreach of government agencies. And you heard what he said there towards the end, that the IRS had seized property and assets of 10,060, roughly, people just because they were going to seize it. Well, we have reason to and we suspect and what have you. Trafficant and others put language in there that said the IRS and other federal agencies cannot see, seize property unless the burden of proof has been met. Basically, you've got a conviction and the appeals are over. Yep. And if, if then the government feels that the government is entitled on behalf of the public to seize assets to you know make up for, for fines and fees and bills and things, then you can seize people's property. This is a real touchy topic out here in the Midwest, but it's true all across the country. I mean, nothing against somebody who owns artwork in, in Southern California versus a farm in the Midwest that gets seized by the government, because we know the government can't farm. Um, 
So 10,000 seizures, and one year later it went to 57. There you go. That's either incompetence, abuse, or both, folks. And trafficking got that language in the bill. And that was roughly in the early 2000s before they ran Jim out of <laughs> ran him out of town, ran him out of office. Yep. Um, and also, real quick on that on that on that front, uh, because of the trafficking bill, what what also occurred on a national level, uh, IRS in terms of uh, winning court cases, um, their court case victories are right now they have a 97 percent uh, non conviction in court cases failure rate. Right. Just wanted to add that in there. Thank you, V. Yep. Well, and and why, you know, as I often say, why does this matter? It matters because when we look at a topic we've covered on this show a couple of times, which is the fact that you've got police departments that are seizing property, and depending on state law, they don't necessarily have to explain themselves. And if it's found later that they're in error or they have no right to take your property, they have no legal burden to give you back your things or compensate you. And Trafficant had been dealing with this for years. I mean, it's the old thing of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And I, you know, and I've joked about Jim's dealings, we'll just call it that, with the mafia. But you know, the mafia still has rules. And even the mafia is not going to seize stuff unless they feel they have reason to. So Jim's attitude was: if my friends in the mafia in Northeast Ohio are not seizing property, then where the hell does the IRS get off seizing property? <laughs> and and while they were running him out of office, I would also note because I was watching last night some of his testimony when they were having the hearings on him. Uh, for years, Trafficant had submitted affidavits to the FBI about murders in the Midwest in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, and a number of neighboring states. Jim was a sheriff at one point, and he had other people who came to him. The same reason that people came to G. Gordon Liddy. It's like, yeah, G. G. Gordon, you're you're a borderline Nazi. However, I know I can count on you because you will never violate your own code of conduct. People went to Trafficant and said, you know, we've got murders and nobody's investigating them. And Trafficant, when he was when he was under charges, he started rattling off about, you want to come after me about this thing you're accusing me of. I've given the FBI countless affidavits of murders that have occurred, suspects in those murders, and on no single occasion did the FBI act. Then publicly in the record on C-SPAN, he started rattling off the FBI agents by name. Hmm. But then he kept going. He argued with the Treasury. He argued with the FBI. Treasury was not happy about 10,000 going down to 57. And my personal favorite, Jim Trafficking on numerous occasions accused Bill Clinton's Attorney General, Janet Reno, of treason. Yep. And last but not least, Trafficking went after Israel and China. So, yeah, so you have to know they're going to be coming after him. Now, I do have a series of victories. We don't have time for that today, so I will post those over on the Discord page. You all can review those over there. And if by now my many asks of all of you to join Discord have, have not borne fruit, I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> but <laughs> the, the stuff is there, and I encourage all of you to reach out to CJ um, or someone you know that is on Discord or what have you, and, and we'll, we'll help you get on there. So I, will, I do have victories but they're going to be over on the Discord page. And then that other thing, uh, I'll post that as well uh, there this evening. So in the few minutes we have remaining, VCJ, yeah. thoughts, closing? Uh, 
a great, great program uh, today, Velas. Um, you know, really going behind the scenes. You know, really breaking some things down to help even myself understand uh, some of these things. So, so good stuff. Um, again, kudos to the work with uh, Discord. And just so everyone knows, the reason why we require uh, you know you sent to send an email because we're not going to just blanket out an invite and then that gets shared to uh, unvetted or you know, we at least want to know your email address, um, you know, who, who's getting an invitation to join. So that's the primary reason why we require an email is to keep the trolls out. We don't want you. Yeah. Get speaking out. Of tro- speaking <laughs> of tro- trolls and bots, folks, that's why we do that. Yeah, but that's all I have. I mean, one thing I'd like to add to what you were putting out there, and I think uh, every time you come on, you start talking about the, the government and you start, uh, you know, I think I think what you're able to do is, you're really laying out the granular processes that occur behind the scenes that a lot of people in the United States are not privy to. They have no idea of. And I think you're pulling back the curtain and people are starting to see that the wizard in this world of Oz that we're living in is not some uh, illusionist or, or some maniacal genius. But what we're dealing with is some of the most gross, craven greedy, self-centered, criminal individuals on God's green earth. Folks, we have a lot of work to do. And, and every time Velas comes on and shares this info and goes down a litany of different topics, you're, he's, he's putting together a tapestry, a tapestry that is showing that we are a broken system, that there are competing interests, and there are conspiracies within conspiracies, within agendas, within ideas, within, I mean, you name it. Okay, and that's what people need to understand. We are so far off the 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 right path as a nation in order to correct this. And I think somebody in the comment section says, hey, there's no pain. There's no change. And he's absolutely right. The whole system has to be dismantled and purged. It is disgusting. We need to somehow lop off this parasite off the body without killing the host. Yeah, and it, it goes to uh, conversations for another time, everybody, two things. One, uh, it goes to our discussions about the balkanization topic. Um, we've been a little flippant on the show, whether it's Gus or others about that at times. I know I have, but I'm quite serious. And this is this is a historical thing. This, this is um, Anthropology 101. Um, this is not uncommon. In, in thousands of years of human history, this has happened. Even the ancient Sumerians, you know, six, ten plus thousand years ago, were a series of city-states under unified rule. But when things started to weaken, the city-states went on their own. And it's the same thing now in the United States. We've, we've got to start raising the barricades and the walls in, in uh, the red states and working together and protecting ourselves, much as we saw happened with Florida and Texas, you know, uh, cooperatively working the border. Uh, I know many people have reached out to me saying, if you mention a lawyer one more time, Velas, and it's like, I can't change the system. And I know lawyers are a pain in the butt. And I've told every lawyer who's a friend of mine, I don't like you. I like you personally. I'll drink with you. But man, your entire industry, there are people in the arms industry that feel better about themselves than you attorneys. And they just kind of shrug and go, yeah, we know. Um, the other thing is, is I've had a lot of people reach out to me privately and say, you know, I appreciate the, the victories that you identify. That's helpful. But, you know, sometimes, Velas, your content's kind of dark and, and it's kind of depressing. And my response is, 
first of all, somewhat comedically, um, then go listen to Mike Moore for a week. Go listen to Mike Moore at True Pundit for a week, because if you think I'm bad, <laughs> Mike at times may make you want to slit your wrists. Uh, I, I will uh, I will look like an upper uh, by the time you're done listening to Mike. And I like <laughs> Mike. And Mike's got Mike's got good content and Mike's got solid stuff. But Mike, as I've often said on this show many times, he's been through the ringer. He's done war with the feds. He's battled the FBI. It's amazing that uh, he didn't kill himself after what they did to him. He's got a very successful program. He's got countless numbers of people coming out of the woodwork. In fact, I would tell you that Mike Moore, of the topics that many of you are interested in, Mike Moore is the equivalent of Colonel John Boyd. Boyd getting the F-16 through the Pentagon bureaucracy is the equivalent of what Mike Moore is doing on his, on his show over at True Pundit. Because Moore, as I've said many times, he's released content that six to eight months later, I'm sitting there putting a check mark in a notebook going, and he nailed it again. <laughs> so we're offering a little bit more color and analysis on our end. And certainly Matthew, uh, I tip my hat to Matthew because he provides a lot more as far as the historical uh, pathway by which we got here and, and what the players believe. But as, as I often also say, it's a distance race, folks. It's not a sprint. And I know that this can be, dare I use the word depressing, don't let yourselves get down. You know, I've said, in fact, CJ and I a couple times on the show many months ago when people across this country were getting pretty, pretty edgy with each other. Go take a long walk. Go to the gym. If the gym isn't your thing, go ride a bike. Um, spend some time with friends. You know, if sports is your thing, go watch. Go watch that. Um, don't let this stuff get you down. But understand that every day of our lives right now, managing this stuff, staying informed on this stuff, th this is where we are. This is where we are. And as the Egyptians would tell you from their belief system in the ancient world, there is pain with enlightenment, but there is enlightenment. So stay with us. We're on the journey with you together. And I wish you all a good weekend and, and take care of each other. And we'll definitely see you see you next week. Very well said. And folks, again, uh, check out Vela's over the discord and he does a phenomenal job. And uh, we're going to be we got some great things planned for Rogue News as well. Where we're going to have uh, these amazing contributors here uh, showcase there as well. Uh, also, email CJ if you need the Discord link, CJ at roguenews.com, CJ at roguenews.com, and check out our paid sponsors, mycbdedibles.com, mycbdedibles.com. And with that being said, CJ, take it away. Harley's next, folks. Stay tuned. <laughs>